So welcome everybody to today's episode of the Independent Teacher Podcast and I am joined by Kitty Cattell. Welcome Kitty. Hi, lovely to be here. Now Kitty is almost, almost at the end of her training year because you're training to be a history and politics teacher. That's right, isn't it? Yes, sort of. More history, I think, at the moment, but I'm definitely interested in going to politics in the future as well. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't <laughs> surprise me at all. Now, get straight into the question. So what were you doing before you decided that a career in teaching was for you? So up until this point, I've pretty much been in full-time education. So I finished um, school in 2016, I think it was took a gap year before going to university. Uh, So in that gap year, I was working full-time as an administrative assistant, which gave me some insights into different bits and bobs, but I think I was definitely ready to go to university at the end of that. So after that, I went to Durham University and did a history degree. And then after that, I went on a slight but very interesting detour um, to study criminology and criminal justice at the University of Oxford. That's a big detour. (laughs) what made you do that what made you do that then I think on paper quite a big detour I think criminology is a very broad subject but a quite eminent criminologist called it a rendezvous subject because it has people or has historically had people coming from various different disciplines to come and specialize in criminology so I think the reasoning for me initially was probably in my second year of undergraduate studies I was thinking about joining the police. Um, So that was why I decided to do that. But I think over the course of my third year, I started studying some modules, which I really, really enjoyed, which was necessary for me because I think it definitely reinvigorated an interest in history that had maybe gone a little bit wayward earlier on at my time at university. Um, So although I was very keen to carry on doing the master's, I think towards the latter end of my third year and over the course of my master's, I realised I did ultimately want a career that involved history in some sense. And so teaching was the obvious route? I think so. I think definitely at that point, I don't think going into history academia was necessarily for me. That's not to say it won't be in the future, but definitely at that point, I think I didn't want to remain in a university setting. Mm. And I think that I've always enjoyed talking. I've always enjoyed communicating and presenting. So a job that would allow me to essentially present about history uh, seemed quite ideal. And when that comes into the picture, I think teaching seems almost too obvious. And in terms of becoming a teacher, can you tell our listeners what route you have gone down to train to be a teacher and why you chose that particular route? So I chose to do a skip route, so school-centred initial teacher training. And the reason I chose to do that route is because essentially I'm in a school from day one. Not only did I want the experience of standing up and teaching in a classroom, I wanted a more long-term experience of getting to develop those relationships with pupils, getting to have that opportunity to establish myself as a teacher, as a form tutor, and also as a colleague. And I think that although not perfect, because it is ultimately only a year, I think that has been something that doing a skit has really allowed me to do. And I really valued that. I think being able to draw on colleagues' expertise when I've not been quite so sure about something or when I wanted advice about something or even down to being there throughout the whole school calendar, I've been able to attend parents' evenings. I've been able to lead some parents' evenings. I've been able to mark assessments. I wouldn't go as far as saying that's been enjoyable, but it's definitely been informative. It's basically given me exposure to being a teacher um, throughout the course of the year rather than just a smaller segment which is why personally I chose that route. And have you felt more like a teacher than a student training to be a teacher? 
Was that another reason, do you think? I think it's quite interesting because as part of it, I did have to do a second placement, which was a five-week sort of standalone. It was January and a couple of days into February. And I think that the comparison for me there, I did feel that in my main placement school, because I'd been there since the start of the year, because when pupils went to their first lesson, it was introduced as Miss So-and-so and and Miss Cattell's lesson, rather than I'm just a teacher that's slotted in and they probably know is going to slot out. I think that I definitely felt that I was seen by the pupils as less transient, I suppose. Whereas I think at my second placement, because I was only there for a short amount of time and because I came midway through the school year, I think the pupils knew fairly early on that I probably, first of all, that I was a trainee teacher. That's definitely not been something that's been stated to the pupils at my main placement school. But I think it's easier to work out when you arrive randomly in January Um, But I think equally because of the dynamic, I think they could work out that I wasn't a full time member of staff. And I think the consequence of that is I think you do get treated slightly differently. That's not to say that it's wrong, but I just don't think it's quite as close to being a teacher as maybe a skit route might be. And were there any surprises for you in terms of becoming a teacher? I mean, it's something that you really wanted to do. In short, there's been a lot of surprises. Um, I think this year has definitely taught me not to make assumptions about things and to be quite open-minded to things because most things that I expected to happen weren't necessarily what happened and vice versa. Can you go into detail about that? I'm sure our listeners would like to know what you're talking about there. I think one thing for me that I definitely realise a lot is it is quite a performance. I always just thought it was a teacher standing up and just doing just talking and telling you about their subject and I think I always find it funny now seeing that comparison between the teacher in the staff room versus the teacher in the classroom Mm. and I think that realizing actually Miss Cattell and Kitty have some similarities but there are also a lot of things about us that are very different and that's okay and actually that's something that you need to develop in order to establish boundaries and in order Mm. to put those differences between you and your pupils to make sure that that relationship is functioning in a way that actually serves their learning best Um, But I think definitely, I think towards the start of the year, I think that surprised me even down to, I would say that I, you know, I'm very self-deprecating as a person, whereas I would say Miss Cattell is very self-assured. She's very calm. Um, And I always see those, I find those little differences when I catch myself Mm. sometimes quite entertaining, but I think seeing it in colleagues as well, I think that's probably been one of the things that surprised me the most is almost this character that is formed. Okay, let me ask you about behaviour then. How do you deal with that as a as a as a trainee teacher? Because that's often one of the areas that people feel most insecure about and also may struggle with a bit. It might be one of the standards that they need mm-hmm. to work on more. I think probably as a society in general about most things, we can have this conception as if somebody's good at something or if they're successful at something, it's because of some kind of innate ability rather than because it's a skill set that they've necessarily developed and refined. And I think I'm not naturally a disciplinarian in my demeanor. I think in terms with friends and family, I see myself as someone I can offer guidance, but it's not my place to tell you what to do or how to act. It's certainly not like my place to tell you off um, about something. Whereas actually as a teacher, often it is your place to tell people what to do and it is your place to issue sanctions if they've not done what they're Mm -hmm. supposed to do. And I think that was something that I was concerned about going into teaching because it wasn't something that I felt particularly confident in. But I think, realizing that there was a whole wealth of experience that I could draw upon to sort of build my own little toolkit as it were that I could draw upon so we had professional study sessions fairly early on that were going through behavior management techniques that when they were explained seemed so simple that I genuinely didn't believe that they would work 
stand even down to go and stand next to the pupil don't say anything just stand next to them and then they'll stop doing it um which always surprises me how well it works I think in terms of behavior management I think my advice to people is it is something that develops like most things it's not something that you're going to be perfect at straight away and you need to find techniques that work Mm. for you and if you don't have techniques that work for you have a chat to colleagues have a chat to your teacher training provider because they will have a wealth of knowledge and experience to support you in that area so was that the biggest challenge I think the thing is about my training year I wouldn't say there's been any single isolated event that has been overwhelmingly challenging I think what's made it a challenge is when a lot of them have coincided with one another having said that I do think that I've been really fortunate that I've been in a really supportive environment throughout the year that's King Edward's consortium Yes, it is. They've been absolutely fantastic. I've really enjoyed the whole experience. I can say with complete and utter conviction, it is absolutely where I'm supposed to be right now. Mm. Um, I've really enjoyed teaching. I've really enjoyed developing the relationships with pupils that I currently have. And also the opportunities that have come my way for things that maybe I didn't necessarily think I would enjoy so much, but actually they've been really super for me. Um, So it's been a really fantastic experience from start to finish. And I definitely wouldn't do it differently uh, if I had my time again. Oh, and any of our listeners hearing that will obviously be thinking, gosh, it sounds a it sounds a great opportunity Mm -hmm. that that you've had. What would your three tips be if you can do give me three? Uh, I asked for five with one of my other guests about something else. And he went, don't you mean three? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's three is the optimum number. So three tips for anyone thinking about going into teaching. I think if you're unsure, I think if you can try and find some work experience, I definitely recommend doing that, whether it's at your old school, whether it's a school in your local area, simply because when I wasn't quite so sure, I went and did some work experience at my old school. And I found that a really insightful experience, simply because I think most people's view of what a teacher does is crafted by being a pupil. And as we've just spoken about that, is to an extent a facade it's to an extent of performance so if you really want to know what a teacher does actually I think it's better to go and put yourself in a situation where you're observing the teacher in a lesson you're not just the pupil watching the teacher equally if you're in the staff room and you can hear the type of conversations they have you can hear the type of topics that they need to talk about and the concerns they have maybe if you can attend a department meeting and you understand what are they talking about what do they have to pay attention to how does it work over a longer period of time I think even if it's only for a few days I think that will give you some kind of insight into what a teacher actually does not from a pupil's perspective and hopefully that will offer some kind of guidance of whether it is a career that somebody wants or whether it isn't for them that's tip number one that's tip number one tip number two um to be honest I think I've probably said tip number two which I would say which is don't assume that you're not going to make a good teacher because of one facet of you I've said the idea about behavior management but I think that also comes down to if you don't think you're a great presenter or if you don't think that you would work very well um, in such such a fast-paced environment I think don't make assumptions about what you're capable of essentially because the teacher version of yourself might actually be really good at them um, even if you think that you as your personal self are less so Um, and then I think the third one this is more of a practical point um, and probably more applicable if you've got to the point of deciding you want to be a teacher but aren't actually one yet if it can be done in five minutes do it I think definitely at the start of my training year so this is like planning is it planning or well basically anything I think I went 
through a phase of not realizing that if you put things like reply to email or file sheets or write down marks, you can suddenly end up with a to-do list that is several pages long of things that could have been done in that moment and then you wouldn't need to think about them. Um, and I think that's what I realized with teaching, which wasn't something that I'd experienced before. Very rarely is one single task really onerous and difficult. It's There's a lot of them often all at once and you've got to have so many hats on. Um, so if it can be done in five minutes, do it. Equally, don't expect to get everything done all at once. Um, if you've got a set of marking to do and you've only got 30 minutes spare, do three or four of them. That's better than doing none of them. Mm. Um, so I think essentially try and try and be proactive with what you're doing. Uh, don't add it to a to-do list because it will pile up very, very quickly. <laughs> now, looking forward, where do you see yourself in the next five years? This is... I always struggle with these types of questions um, because I think when I look back on things that have happened in my life, a lot of the things that I think were really good decisions or really good things that happened to me, they've often, not always, but often come as a consequence of whatever my plan was not quite working out. Um, So I think in terms of the next five years, I think definitely I would like to be a more experienced teacher. I would like to be a more established colleague, um, a more established professional. Uh, I would like to be seen as a reliable, um, respectable member of a school community. What that actually means in terms of a job description, what that actually means in terms of, you know, what type of school I am or where in the country I'm working, I don't know. And to be honest, I'm not, I'm actually okay about that just because I think one of the things I've learned this year is you've got to be open-minded to the opportunities that come your way. Mm. Um, And I think just take advantage of them because it might not be the thing that you expected to happen, but sometimes that can be for the best. Mm. So I think in short, there's a lot of vague ideas about who I, who I would like to be, I suppose, but what exactly that means in terms of what exactly will happen in five years, I don't really know. And I'm just, I'm always wary, I suppose, of saying things that I feel like might act as some kind of limitation on myself. I don't want to put myself in a box, essentially, before I've got there or put myself in a position where if I don't quite get there, I feel like I haven't achieved what I wanted to. Um, Because I think nobody's path ever works out quite how they expect it to, even if they've got a really concrete plan. But yeah, I do think people have very different approaches to it. Now, I'm going to take you back so after that Mm -hmm. question where I've tried tried to push you and take you forward (laughs) and and probably not succeeded what I'm going to do now maybe I'll have more luck with this question I'm going to take you back and I'm going to ask you this um who or what do you remember most fondly about your own education I think I should say to our listeners you probably picked up that Kitty and and I were at the same school. I was a teacher. Kitty was uh, a student many years ago, though. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is always such a funny question when people ask. I think everybody has a tendency to look back on their school days with a uh, large degree of nostalgia. I think what's funny about it is I'll remember things and then realise that they actually formed a really small amount of my time at school. So I was thinking earlier about what do I remember really fondly at school? And for some reason... Every time we went to a regional hockey tournament, that seems to stick in my head. It was a great day. We generally were playing teams that were very, very good teams. So I, I was goalkeeper, so I'd always get a good match out of it as well. And when I actually thought about it, that was four days over seven years. But for some reason, I can remember it very, very vividly. 
And I think that applies to a lot of extracurricular activities. You know, I look back really fondly on trips, MUN conferences, remember going to some different schools in the areas to take part in debating workshops. So I think for me, I think a lot of the extracurricular things were thing is what I look back on really fondly. It's where I crafted uh, a lot of really positive memories. And I think that's actually probably influenced a lot of my attitudes towards what type of community I'd like to work in in the future. I think it was important to me that if I could, I wanted to find a job at a school that had a really strong extracurricular ethos, just because for me, that's where a lot of my positive memories of school were formed. Mm. Um, but having said that, I I think there are a lot of things at school that you don't get at any point in life otherwise. And I, I think that's a bit of a shame, really. I think realising that if you're in a lesson and one of your friends starts laughing, it's a really sweet, it's a really innocent situation that doesn't really happen as far as I'm aware um, outside of school. So I think there's definitely some really fond memories that I didn't even realise were memories in the making. Mm. Were there any teachers who, in, who inspired you at school? I think I've been really fortunate because I think I've had across my education a lot of really fantastic teachers um and I think I've been extremely privileged to be in that position and it it is something and will continue to be something that I'm eternally grateful for that I've been able to access such an incredible education therefore it is quite difficult for me to state specific teachers because I could go on for a while I think one one I think I found an increasing appreciation for I think this year whilst training as a teacher as well as I know she had a very positive effect on me at school was my A-level history teacher. And the reason I say that is because from a teaching capacity now, when I was at school, I used to see people as they're a good teacher, they're an okay teacher, they're a bad teacher. There was not much thought behind it. I think now I realise that actually the lessons she taught, there must have been a very conscientious and diligent professional behind those lessons. Um, They were very well crafted. They always went very, very smoothly. And she managed to convince me that I like medieval history, which I am not a medieval historian at all. So the fact that they were clearly that engaging, that it gave me that effect, um, I think goes some way to explaining how high quality their lessons were. I think on top of that, for me, and this was something I definitely came to realise whilst I was at university, I think within history, I was always a very solid achiever. I don't think there were concerns about what grade I was going to come out with. I ended up achieving the top grade in my A-level. But I always felt stretched. I always felt like I knew there was more that could be done. And she was really willing to point me in that right direction and show me where to go. And if that meant that I was handing in essays that she hadn't set for a homework, she would still mark them. She would still give me feedback on them. And the consequence of that, I think when I went to university, I didn't feel like there was a huge jump between school and university. And I think essentially the way that she taught I think it went beyond just teaching me for exam I think she actually made me into a better scholar Um, and I think that it is so difficult because so much of education can and understandably does end up being focused towards a terminal exam but I think when you do get those situations where they've actually developed you outside of just getting you through that GCSE or getting you through that A level I think that is it's just really fantastic teaching so I think she's probably one that would stand out for me both from now my perspective, I suppose, of being an almost teacher, um, but also as a pupil. Was that misplanned? Yeah. And do you think she's the reason why you are a history teacher now then? I think it's part of the reason. I think from the case of wanting to teach history, I suppose the academic side of it, I think she's played a big part of it. I think there's probably the pastoral side of teaching that I think was actually probably something that I developed in a completely non-academic route 
at uni just involving myself in in certain student um environments that allowed me to gain that experience in student welfare um and that's probably what formed that pastoral side but I definitely think she contributed to it so we're coming to that point in our uh mm-hmm. interview conversation <laughs> uh where we're almost at the end and I always have a special question for my guests okay mm-hmm. and yours is based on what I remember about you when you were mm-hmm. a student okay yeah and so the question is does a career in politics still <laughs> beckon for Kitty Cattell <laughs> I mean never say never I think I have always found the world around me fascinating I mean I, I don't think you'll find a history teacher that isn't very much engaged with politics is an essential feature of the job essentially um I think for me right now I'm really enjoying teaching and I think it's the right place for me right now and I think it will probably be the right place for me for the foreseeable future at least but as I said earlier I don't like to stick myself in a box I don't want to say this is where I have to be in in 15 20 years time because in 15 20 years time I'm going to be a different person everybody is um so potentially definitely isn't something that I would say I've ruled out but equally uh, I think definitely staying in education for the foreseeable future is where I see myself we'll have to have another conversation I think in about five (laughs) years and then another one in 10 years and see how Kitty develops okay (laughs) so the 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 adventures of Kitty yeah (laughs) Kitty can I say thank you ever so much for joining me on today's episode of the Independent Teacher Podcast. So thank you ever so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Independent Teacher Podcast. If you like listening to this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.